Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Well, the last three days have been a blast and indeed, but... At least for us, a.k.a. me and Mike, all good things must come to an end. We are back in Cincinnati. Andrew Gillis, he, he's cooler than us. He's going to be in Indy for another day, and we're going to have him back on Friday as he talks about his observations that he's been seeing uh, during the combine workouts and such. But we're going to have some fun because I still think we're the cool kids. Welcome into another NFL Combine offseason edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad and Mike Nislik with you for a little fireside chat on this Thursday night. And we talked a lot about what the coaches have been saying, like Lou Anarumo and Brian Callahan. We talked even more about Duke Tobin and Zach Taylor, what that means for the direction of the offseason and certain players. I want to look a little bit more internally from a draft point of view. We've talked about so many names, so many characters and uh, people to watch in this combine. And we're not even going to go through the whole list of names because we'd be doing a 10-hour pod. But there's a few names I wanted to touch on that I think we haven't really talked about that are specific to the Bengals. This is one name we've talked about. But there's so much more to him that I think is worth discussing, and that's Ivan Pace Jr., the linebacker out of UC Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati kid who we mentioned, grew up here, lived in the state of Ohio his whole life. Mike, he said something interesting to me yesterday, Wednesday, that I think is worth touching on. And he said that if he was not 5'10", if he was you know two, three inches taller, he thinks he has the potential to be a top five pick. Now, most boards, including PFF, kind of have him as a mid-round pick. I don't even think he's in the T- the PFF top 100, not at least going into this week. But he has a lot of confidence that he is the real deal. Uh, he led UC in sacks, tackles, tackles for loss last year. He's got freakish athleticism for someone his size, and I think he's going to show off his coverage instincts uh, throughout the week. But what do you think about this Ivan Pace kid? Is the hype real? Is this guy really better than he is on paper? Or do you think it's just the feel-good, hometown Cincinnati kid factor kicking in? I'm not sure what hype. I mean, he's not in the top 100. He's a mid-round projection. Um, he's a small linebacker. And I think that, you know, most prospects say if you you had you, you were taller or, you know, you, you know especially a quarterback, if – a guy's three inches shorter than he needs to be. You know, he's, he's it kills his draft prospects or kills his college prospects. I mean, it's a fine player. I think, you know, when you look at what the Bengals said the other day, that they're really happy with their linebacker room. Um, they might need depth, but I don't see them um, sort of making it, you know, reaching for somebody that um, really doesn't kind of fit the bill for what they're looking for. 
So if you are the Bengals, what is the bill of what you're looking for at linebacker? I know you mentioned the height aspect, but what else would you say fits the bill for what they need, assuming Jermaine Pratt walks, which I want to talk about him in a second, but what is that kind of bill you're talking about? Well, I, I don't think they're, I mean, from what they said, I don't think they're looking, I think they are going to slot in Akeem Davis Gaither as a starter um, and roll out Logan Wilson. I think they're going to be looking for depth. Um, you know, maybe you get somebody in the late rounds or or a bargain free agent just to provide depth. Um, somebody that, you know, that can um, do a lot of things that they want. Um, you know, they don't use a lot of three linebacker sets, um, utilize their guys a lot in coverage. So, I mean, you know, they're looking for um, a guy that can do, do all that, you know, very hybrid kind of kind of scheme that they have. So, um, you know, typically don't rush the passer a lot. So, you know, you can get some value because you're not looking for those um, linebackers that, that, you know, draw, uh, you know, very big salaries, a lot of attention and free agency. So, um, you know, that that's kind of what I, th- I think they're just going to roll with what they have at linebacker going into the next season. It definitely seems feasible and to kind of touch on that. Maybe this is stretching it. But maybe this is something worth reading into. If they're not going to invest in that mid-round pick, whether it be Ivan Pace or someone else who's available in that kind of mid-round or even mid-to-late round without being super late like you mentioned, does that mean that they're planning for a future with Akeem Davis-Gaither and Logan Wilson? Like, Do you think they're confident that those guys will be there long-term, that they don't need to get someone now? Or maybe if they're going to get somebody, assuming you don't have either of them in 2024 because they're both going into contract years, Davis, Gaither, and Wilson, do you think they're going to kind of plan for that later then? Do you think that's just something they're not worried about even in the long-term or just not right now? Well, I think Davis, Gaither's probably a a wait-and-see, but, you know, they talked about – um, you know, looking at what Logan Wilson might want um, in terms of an extension. I think those are decisions uh, that will get made once they kind of figure out some of these, um, you know, free agents, kind of what direction they're going into, going with. Um, you know, I could see them um, reloading because it's a position that I think, you know, uh, from their perspective, isn't as important as the others. Um, right. I think you could plug and play more. Uh, which we've talked a lot about on the podcast, but um, you know, I, th- I think it's a spot where um, I, I, it's not of prime area of concern right now. I, I don't think for the Bengals, cause I think they're happy um, with what they have. And even if they lose Jermaine Pratt, um, they feel confident uh, with what's um, who they have locked up for 2023, at least. We've talked so much about Jermaine Pratt and his cryptic tweets and we're saying this on a Thursday. He tweeted about nine hours ago before this podcast, love is love, but loyalty is real. And someone asked him, what's money then? And he replied, money is the root of all evil. I mean, his tweets have been very interesting. I don't think we've sugarcoated that at all. But do you think that's just pretty much like, if he hasn't given it away already, is that just him saying, I'm out, see you later, until next time, if there is a next time? I mean, I don't really read into tweets like that. I mean, I think it's something <laughs> he calls out the Bengals specifically like he has in the past about the third down stuff. I mean, that stuff, I mean, obviously is about the team and I think you could, you know, easily, you don't have to interpret anything, but other than that, um, you know, you cover college and these athletes tweet out stuff, you know, somebody's like, Oh, are you transferring? And it's like, no, that was about a sandwich I ate at lunch. You know, I was unhappy. <laughs> so it's like, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not in the business of reading tweets, you know, like interpreting what somebody means. Cause you know, who knows? Um, I, I think the bigger ones are the ones where he's criticized the team or critics, you know, just kind of speculated, you know, he, he was frustrated about not being used on third down 
um you know obviously that i think speaks more to where his state of mind at than um you know some vague tweets about you know life or whatever it's funny because Lou Aruma was asked about that we didn't mention this on wednesday but he was asked about those tweets you know among others and he was like oh i love that he's a competitor i love that he's you know got that feistiness in him but that's just his way of saying Oh, well, like, you know, he's not going to say how he really feels because obviously he doesn't want to say it. But I mean, it makes sense. Like, I think that's just, you know, in that situation, like, what else are you going to say if you're Jermaine Pratt? Which, again, I I think there's debate to that as to whether, you know, it was him or I think really it was more down to the sub packages they played, you know, the different situations in game where maybe they wanted ADG in there. But I think where we can both agree and pivot is that it's not important in terms of the linebacker position, at least right now. I do think what is more important, and we can weigh in on this um, and getting into some names, but what is more important and should be important isn't just the secondary, but cornerback, I think, is going to be really important. We've talked about Eli Apple. He spoke like a man who's pretty much on his way out. Um, Same, I think, is going to happen with Trey Flowers. I think that's very likely, especially if they can't come to a cheaper deal with him. So that leaves you with Alan George. Cam Taylor Britt and Chidobi Awuzie, and you need depth behind those guys. So I think there are some names that come to mind. And again, I don't want to go through the whole list. There's just a few names that stick out to me that I want to discuss because they might fit the bill for what the Bengals are looking for. And these are not unrealistic options. One of them is Emmanuel Forbes. And I mention him because uh, he's a Mississippi State cornerback, number one. He played in the SEC, six interceptions last year, two pick sixes. He actually spoke with the Bengals. He told me today that he spoke with Lou Anarumo and Zach Taylor, and he actually liked Lou Anarumo's direct style. He even said he models himself after Martin Emerson, who plays for the Cleveland Browns. They played together in college, and that's a guy who sticks out to me because you know he's a little bit taller. He's about six foot, really good in press man coverage. Clark Phillips is another name from Utah. Ironically, had six interceptions. Hasn't met with the Bengals, but he said when he looks at their secondary, he's like, put me in there. So I think you have two guys who could fit well for the Bengals who are interested in being in a place like Cincinnati. So kind of two parts to it, Mike, before I get to those guys, the first part is, do you think maybe cornerback is becoming more and more of a need as we think about it? Like is the secondary maybe being overlooked in terms of like where the cornerback position falls on mock drafts? And if not, why do you think that's the case? Well, because they spent a high draft pick last year on it, and they, you know, they drafted a safety uh, and a corner, and you know they do have a corner in Mike Hilton, and he plays nickel, but I mean he's part of their, um, you know, depth chart, and so they've got all their starters. Um, so I, I think that's why it plays low. I mean, you're not going to draft somebody, um, and slot them into the starting lineup right now. I think you do need starters at other positions. So I mean, that's why I think, um, you know, it's lower on boards. I mean, if they um, found somebody uh, in the first round, like if somebody slipped, like well, one of the top corners, um, you know, in the draft, then maybe you take somebody just because you're in a position where uh, you could take the best player available at 28. Um, neither Forbes or Phillips fits that description. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't tend to do that just because I think that um, it's just not a position where you need to slot in right now. Uh you know, I know Chidobia Wuzier is coming back from that uh, torn ACL and you want to have some insurance, but I'm not sure that that's a first-round pick um, that I would sort of love just because I, I think that, um, you know, they, they need to get over the hump for a Super Bowl. They don't need to worry about, um, 
you know, down the line or, you know, things like that. They need to win now. And I don't know that that pick sort of uh, fits the bill there. So what if, well, I think with the first round, it makes sense because you'd rather go for, even though I don't think they'll be available, you want someone maybe like a Keely Ringo or if somehow he's available, Joey Porter Jr., who I think is an interesting guy because he reminds me a lot of Richard Sherman. I think, yeah, in that case, that makes sense. But let's say you get to the maybe not second round, I think in this case, third, fourth round, you have either one of those two on the board. They haven't performed yet in the combine. They're going to perform later this week. They show off their stuff, especially Forbes, you know, being the taller corner. Phillips is a little bit kind of under 5'9". I mean, if they show you something good and you already see what they have on tape and you've already talked to someone like Forbes, do you go for someone like that? If if they're available in that third, fourth round, if you haven't gotten a cornerback already to kind of add to that insurance you mentioned? Well, it's kind of silly to speculate now because we have the free agency coming up. So, I mean, that's going to have such a huge impact. Like, they don't take a tight end. If they don't sign Hayden Hurst, they need to get it. And they don't, they don't sign anybody else. They got to take a draft. They got to take a tight end of the draft. So, I mean, like, right. you, know, you kind of go down the list um, of positions. Like, what if they re-sign Eli Apple? Um, they don't need a corner. I mean, I wouldn't draft a corner at all, uh, you know. Uh, so, I, I think you have to be careful in terms of, like, projecting out. Uh, because you know free agency is going to I think change the game um you know if they were to cut Joe Mixon like they don't resign Hayden Hurst and they cut Joe Mixon you're gonna look running back tight end one two and so um you know I, I think uh that's kind of where my head's at I'm waiting to kind of see what some of these roster decisions are um because that I think really uh you know will set sort of the agenda for the draw I think we'll know um, probably what in two weeks time, two and a half weeks time. Yeah. Um, better about what their uh, their draft plans are, and not for nothing. Um, you know, the coaching staff was very specific about how they're just jumping into this. So, um, you know, it, it's uh, there's a long road ahead. Um, they've got a lot of work to do to kind of catch up on on scouting these guys and figuring out what they like and kind of meshing that with what the scouting staff and and do Tobin want. So, uh, yeah, I think it's way too early to sort of say one way or the other i'd lean no but i mean you know things can change in free agency if they do sign some free agents at those positions then maybe cornerbacks a luxury you can invest in well the beauty of this podcast and mock drafts is we can over project or under project all we want but i do agree when you say that if there's a world where you do bring back eli apple and you don't bring back Hayden Hurst or you don't restructure Joe Mixon and he's out the door, then of course, you know, it's again, if you don't bring back Hurst and you don't bring back Mixon, it's tight end, running back, running back, tight end, whatever order. It's those positions at least you prioritize. But then I think even then, if you get that one two punch of filling tight end and running back and you don't re sign Eli Apple and or Trey Flowers. I don't think it's, again, this is super early, but this is why we have fun with it. I think in that third, fourth round, you can look at those guys. There's other names, obviously, I didn't mention. I just mentioned them as an example of sort of that middle round tier of cornerbacks they could look at. There's other names we'll talk about, you know, down the road, especially as the combine wraps up. But those are just ones I wanted to hit on today because they have direct relevance to the Bengals. When we come back, we're going to focus more in-house with the Bengals, we've talked about Joe Mixon being restructured. Potentially, is he the only one who might be up for being restructured? Plus, what could the AFC North look like with some interesting controversy in the division? We'll tell you about all of that when we return on the Strictly Stripes podcast. 
Hey there, it's Muhammad Ahmad from the Strictly Stripes podcast. You might be wondering, what exactly is Cincinnati Football Insider? Well, it's a community of fans who want the inside scoop on the Bengals and a direct connection to the Strictly Stripes podcast and the reporters who cover the team. And that would be me, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nislik. It works like this. Andrew, Mike, and I will text your phone a few times a day with breaking news, analysis, and our insights on the Bengals. It's the inside scoop on what we're hearing, and we'll give you the inside word before it even hits social media. Being an insider is the best way to participate with the podcast and get in on special events and Zoom calls with me, Mike, and Andrew. And the best part is you can text us directly. It's a great way to cut through the clutter of Facebook, Twitter, other social media, and avoid the trolls for just $4.99 a month. Still not sure? Well, just try it for two weeks, and if you don't like it, you can text the word STOP at any time, but you won't want to cancel once you join the community of hardcore Bengals fans. Here's the best way to get on board. Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals, click on the blue banner at the top of the page, or if it's easier, text 513-940-4193. It's a great time to try the two weeks free, as we'll be reporting live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Plus, we'll be covering free agency on the way to the NFL Draft in April. Give us a try for two weeks and see what you think. Just text this number again. It's 513-940-4193 and become an insider today. And thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast on this fine Thursday night. So we've talked about it a lot and we talked about it earlier in this podcast because this is a conversation not going away anytime soon. And that is, do you let Joe Mixon walk? Do you restructure his deal? You and I, and even though Andrew's not with us, would all agree that he's not worth the $13 million or whatever he's supposed to make the next year, two years, whatever. But I was thinking, and you know, we're talking about this in the grand scheme of a Joe Burrow contract extension era. You could restructure Mixon so that you keep him keep that leadership, keep whatever he brings, the efficiency that they like. But you could also restructure, I think, and tell me if I'm crazy because I just thought of this, Trey Hendrickson is also a big cap hit for the next two years. Do you restructure him? Do you work something out where you know you don't let go of a guy like that because that's the last thing you want to do? Like Cutting him is way off the table, especially going into this season. But do you consider restructuring that deal? Whether or not you restructure Joe Mixon, or does one kind of depend on the other, or is that not even an idea worth considering? Well, yeah, I don't know that he'd be open to that just because his production has been really good the last two years. That, um, you know, typically I, I think that'd be a tough uh, approach. I think you're looking at guys, um, maybe uh, what how, how much does Hendrickson have? Is it, he's two years, right? Yes, he has two yeah, years two remaining years on a four year um, deal. So I think guys like Tyler Boyd veteran uh, more veteran types um that you know might you know help you out a little bit um I think uh him and I think uh obviously Joe Mixon um those kind of are the 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 two I think that that jump out um to me um that you might you know try to restructure um because you want to keep Tyler Boyd I think um but you know obviously with the receiver um money going elsewhere um you know things are tightening up but uh those are the two to me that uh would would, would make a lot of sense so you're talking about kind of how tyler boy is important which i agree with um but he is also like you said uh he's about a ten and a half million dollar cap at next year so would you restructure him 
before I mean obviously before Hendrickson, but would you restructure Boyd before you restructure Joe Mixon, or do you deal with Joe Mixon first and then maybe decide if it's worth restructuring Tyler Boyd? Well, I think it depends how much money they need, right? I mean, uh, right. you know, they could cut Tyler Boyd easily um, and save True. quite a bit of money. Uh, I think it's like save nine million, yeah, nine million dollars. I, mean, I don't think they want to do that, but I mean, it's it's a it's it's an area of savings possibly. Um, so you know, I, I think you got to figure out how much you need, right? And the Joe Burrow deal will kind of dictate that if they extend T now. Um, and you know, because it doesn't sound like they're gonna, you know, splurge in free agency either. Um, you know, just based on what uh, Duke Tobin said, um, right? You know, they'll they'll fill out the roster and pay what you know, spend what they need to spend. But in terms of like looking at a top tier kind of free agent, that's not necessarily they're, they're more interested in obviously extending their own guys, and that's where a lot of their money's gonna go. So, um, it'll just depend. I think, um, you know, how much they need. If guys can agree, you know, if Mixon agrees, is that enough? I mean, do, do they need multiple guys? How much can they extend that cap hit out for Joe Burrow? And what does the, you know, the escalators look like? Um, it's it's kind of up in the air, but I mean, we'll obviously know here in the next couple of weeks, um, you know, what guys they kind of approach and, and kind of their strategy for things. You know, they, they said all options, you know, no door is closed, I think is what he said. So he did. Uh, Duke Tobin, that is. So, um, we'll see you know you talk about and this alludes to what duke tobin said you know you're not building for the future i mean you are but like the near future is what's important the near future is winning super bowl 58 you know after you were in super bowl 56 and you nearly got back to super bowl 57 you want to win now and i think when we talk about do you restructure tyler boy do you save nine million releasing him where do you apply the same principle to Joe Mixon? I think the important thing, and the Bengals know this, but it's just worth establishing this. As much as Boyd and Mixon are like tenured guys who bring a lot to the locker room, it's important not to get hung up on feelings. Like if it means you have to release them or restructure it, then of course they have to agree to be restructured unless they get cut. Like you have to do what's best. It would be difficult. It wouldn't be easy. And Duke Tobin said, like it would be difficult you know, seeing guys walk in free agency or, I mean, if they were to hypothetically do any of those restructures or releases, like it's difficult. It's tough because, you know, like it, it can be a personal business, especially when those guys made the impact being team captains, you know, for as long as they've been while they've been in Cincinnati. So it's difficult, but it's important not to get hung up on that. And I think for people trying to make those predictions, as much as it's so hard to speculate because we don't know what Joe Burrow's deal looks like, we don't know what's going to happen in free agency, like you said, and we don't know if that affects getting a cornerback a little higher in the draft versus, oh, do you get a tight end because you don't have Hayden Hurst? The beauty and the struggle of the offseason is you don't know until you know. You don't know until you know. But I think I wanted to kind of talk more about the division because there's something I've been thinking about. And I was talking with Andrew Gels about this earlier, uh, and I want to get his thoughts on this tomorrow too. But I'm sure uh, you saw, although it's been deleted since, um, I have a screenshot, so I want to read it. Uh, Rashad Bateman is not very happy with uh, the Ravens front office. Uh, he basically quote tweeted their general manager and was like, you need to stop pointing the finger at us and stop pointing it at Lamar Jackson. We take the heat 24 seven, keep us healthy, blah, blah, blah. I think it was in response to maybe the grades that came out on 
the facilities of teams, how they treat the families of the players, the nutrition, trainers, all of that. So you have your wide receiver who's not happy, and he, he deleted the tweet, but kind of doubled down later. Lamar Jackson is still not inked, and that's going to be one of the biggest talks of the NFL. I mean, what is happening in Baltimore? Like, is that culture just melting? Like, what is happening? And what does that mean for the AFC North if you can't keep Lamar and uh, Rashad Bateman's not happy and you got other issues in the house? Well, I mean, it depends. I think if they cave in and give all that guaranteed money, I think that, I mean, I view it that Baltimore would be in trouble that way. I, I, to be honest, I, I think they should hold firm um, and not invest like that. I don't, I, I don't think that's a smart idea. Um, and so, um, you know, to me, I think it's, you know, it's John Harbaugh's team. He's a, he's a good coach. He has a good history or, you know, solid resume. I mean, um, uh, they, they seem to really want Lamar Jackson, but I, I think it all comes down to that decision and how things are handled. I think they might be better off. Um, you know, the team's always been kind of one with the defense and, um, you know, they weren't far off last year without Lamar. Um, so, I mean, you need to obviously get a better quarterback than they had, but also, um, you know, throwing all like $50 million, I think really upsets that roster and, and, um, you know, that imbalance could really hurt them down the line. You know, the culture stuff, the player being disgruntled, you know, it happens. Um, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Right. I mean, Hey, if, in, in defense of the Ravens, I guess, to counter that, I mean, you had Carlos Dunlap who was even worse, I think, in that sense, two years ago. There's a reason why he's not in Cincinnati anymore. But I don't know. I, I think, obviously, I mean, we could go on and on about Lamar, but that's a whole another conversation for a whole other day because, I mean, really nothing has happened with that situation. But I wanted to get your thoughts on one last thing and then to kind of set the stage for the workouts Friday and to kind of talk about what we're going to have with Andrew. Did you see uh, he played for Georgia, as you obviously know, linebacker slash defensive end Nolan Smith. Have you seen his numbers, Mike? I want to tell the listeners about this, but have you seen his numbers from his combine results today? Uh, just uh, I thought he ran a 4-4 four, four or something like that. Well, they updated it. It was unofficially a 4-4-4. Four, four, four. It was a 4-3-9. That is freaky. Like he's a six foot three, two hundred and thirty-ish pound defensive end. That's unbelievable. And it's not even just him. Byron Young from Tennessee, 4.43. So not even uh, a fifth of a second or I guess 0. 0.05 seconds behind him. I mean, talk about speed. I mean, that's freaky. That's faster than some running backs and wide receivers. I think that's even faster than heck a lot of cornerbacks. I mean, he killed that drill among the defensive ends. Um, his vertical was also tops because he had a 41 and a half inch vertical. Again, tall, the highest among all defensive ends. I'm talking defensive ends, not defensive linemen overall. I mean, I don't want to say. I mean, I, I know what the answer is going to be, but I, I'm just going to say it to wrap up this podcast because I just love to have fun and be reckless. But if somehow you keep Hayden Hurst, you keep Joe Mixon, it's late first round. Like the Bengals are pick 28 because Noah Smith was kind of like a super late first round, early second round kind of uh, projected pick. I mean, with numbers like that, if I mean, he's going to go up, but if somehow, somehow, some way he's still there and the Bengals have a chance to take him, do you at least, at least right now in March, do you entertain that idea? When you see numbers like that, and this is assuming you have Hayden Hurst, you have Joe Mixon, and you can get a cornerback, like I mentioned later in the draft. Well, I I, th- I think that he was projected out as a 
a better prospect, a defensive end, or fits better in a three-four system um, instead of a, a base four-three. And um, you don't know how much the uh, Bengals coaching staff kind of values um, the, those sort of uh, projections or positional kind of, um, you know, kind of outlook. Um, so you know, like a guy like uh, Miles Murphy from Clemson is kind of more in the mold of the, the pass rusher they'd be looking for. Um, but, you know, the physical tools are obviously a big part of it. I think he'll certainly, you know, go up on draft boards because of um, those numbers. Uh, you know, obviously he, he made himself some money um, this week, and that's kind of what you want to do. You want to avoid catastrophe. And, you know, if, if possible, um, if you do that, I mean, you're really helping yourself. So, um, and then, we, you know, in prime time, and obviously people are talking about it. So good for him obviously made the most of his uh, two months training. There's actually some other names on this list that I won't get to today because, uh, again, I don't want to do an hour-long podcast, but these are some names I want to talk about tomorrow and throughout uh, the coming days because these are guys who already worked out with Nolan Smith. Uh, these are defensive ends and actually some D-tackles. So tomorrow I want to talk more about those guys. Uh, we'll preview a lot of the running backs in the draft because running backs will be speaking tomorrow. Andrew Gillis, again, he's in Indy right now. He'll be there for part of tomorrow. So he'll join us with kind of what he gets from them and the tight ends. Tight ends are also available uh, from what I'm seeing. So He'll kind of give his thoughts on maybe some fits the Bengals could look at that we haven't talked about at those positions. And we'll keep talking about other free agency topics and tying back to what the coaches talked about this week in Indianapolis that we haven't touched on already. And much, much, much more because this is, I said it again, the beauty and the difficulty of the offseason. You don't know till you know, but we know you'll join us tomorrow and we can't wait to see you on this Friday. Once again, for myself and Mike Nislik, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Catch you Friday. Enjoy your Thursday night.